This is InfoTrack, the weekly show with information you should know. Here's what's happening on this week's show. Unless you're a college student or a recent graduate, you may not have heard the term study drugs, prescription pills that supposedly help students perform better. Do they work? Students certainly believe that it works, that it does help them to study longer, to study more effectively. If you look objectively at what their GPA is, they tend to do worse. Then, what's the best way to keep juvenile delinquents from making more trouble? One expert says the answer isn't jail. If you want to focus on kids who are involved in the juvenile justice system, what we don't see are many states that are actually measuring results. And that's clearly a direction that government needs to go. Those two stories and much more are coming your way on this week's edition of InfoTrack. Stay with us. The show begins right after this. InfoTrack. The weekly show with information you should know. Here's your host, Chris Whitting. Unless you're a student, you may not have heard much about so-called study drugs used to boost concentration when preparing for an upcoming test or term paper. Here to discuss this is Dr. David Rabiner, who is research professor and associate dean at Duke University. Welcome to the show. Thank you. First of all, what drugs are we generally talking about here? Are these prescription drugs? Generally, certainly among college students, the most commonly used drugs in terms of cognitive enhancement for study purposes would be medications that are used to treat attention deficit hyperactivity disorder. And those are generally stimulant medications, commonly known medications are things like Adderall, Concerta, Ritalin, Mm -hmm. Vyvanse. So those are the, the medications that we mostly be speaking about. How widespread is their use on campuses? It's really impossible to answer with a general statement because the use varies quite a bit across different campuses. In the literature, I've seen rates as high as a third of the students or so reporting non-medical use. But certainly at some campuses, it is not uncommon. Does it work? And are the students who take these drugs being helped by taking them? That is a question to which I think there is also no hard data. In a study that we did here on the campus at Duke, as well as with students at the University of North Carolina at Greensboro, what we found is that students certainly believe that it works in the sense that they report that it does help them to study longer, to study more effectively, to remain more alert while they're studying. So the students report that it's helpful for them. Now, whether it works in the sense that using these drugs that you don't have a prescription for actually results in your earning better grades, doing better on an exam, writing a better paper, to my knowledge, there is just no data on that whatsoever. So the closest thing we've got is data that shows that students who use these medications without a prescription. If you look objectively at what their GPA is, they tend to do worse than students who don't report using those drugs. Now, you could argue that, well, maybe they're doing better than they otherwise would have. Right. But on average, they're certainly not doing as well as students who don't use the medications. And you could imagine how it actually might contribute to their doing worse in the sense 
that if a student decides, well, I'm going to put off studying for a big exam until the last night or two because I can get my hands on a friend's ADHD medication and that will help me sort of pull an all-nighter, well, that tends to not be a particularly effective way to prepare. And so if students are feeling that they'll be able to do a better job of preparing like that because they can get their hands on these meds, then it actually might sort of backfire. So we really do not know if it works in the sense of objectively improving students' performance on tests and their GPA. Mm -hmm. My suspicion, and that's all that it is, is a suspicion, is that it does not. We're talking on InfoTrack with Dr. David Rabiner, who is research professor and associate dean at Duke University, talking about illegal study drug use. Dr. Rabiner, what is Duke University's policy on these drugs? Certainly, as you know, many students on college campuses have a medical diagnosis of ADHD. Many of them are prescribed ADHD medications to help with their symptoms, and certainly when used as prescribed by a physician, of course, those are things that are permitted like any other prescribed medication. To use them without a prescription is illegal. If you have a prescription to sell or to divert them in any way is also illegal. And actually, Duke several years ago took a stance that to use ADHD medications without a prescription is actually would be considered a violation of the honor policy at Duke. Okay. So it could actually be looked at as a form of cheating, I guess. That's how they chose to look at it here at Duke, I believe, right, that it's a violation of the honor policy based on the assumption that it provides students with an unfair advantage. What are the dangers of using drugs like this if they're not prescribed to you? It's a wider issue than among just college students. This happens among high school students. It happens among middle school students. It happens among adults in the workforce. It's not just college students who are misusing or using these medications without a prescription. This is not something that on a percentage basis is common, but each year there are thousands of individuals who wind up in emergency rooms because they've taken too much stimulant medication and have had an adverse reaction. It's not uncommon for students to occasionally use stimulant medication in conjunction with alcohol or other substances, which can increase the potential danger of use. There are people who essentially become dependent on these medications and begin using to the degree that they would qualify for a diagnosis of stimulant abuse or stimulant dependence. We have had students who start to feel that they need to have access to these medications in order to do their best academically, that they begin to worry about being able to have access to the medications. Are they addictive, perhaps Um, psychologically addictive, I guess? Certainly in the sense that there are a number of individuals who used to the point where they meet criteria for stimulant abuse or stimulant dependence, it would certainly appear that for some individuals, they are. Should colleges perhaps adopt a policy or some type of a mandatory class on the dangers of these drugs? Or even should all colleges have a policy? Duke does. Should all other colleges have a policy about this? Well, I would assume that all colleges have a policy about students not selling or giving away their prescription medications to their peers. I would assume that would be a violation of policy on any campus in the country. In terms of what the policy is towards 
students who use these medications and whether it should be considered cheating or a violation of the honor code. I think that to me is a trickier issue. Sometimes the way this is portrayed in the media is that this is just almost like normative, typical college student behavior, that it's just part of the work hard, play hard lifestyle and really nothing necessarily to be concerned about. However, what all the data so far has indicated is that students who elect to use these medications without a prescription, they are different in very important ways on average from other students. So they have higher rates of drug and alcohol use in general. They are doing less well academically. They are more concerned about their academic performance. They report greater difficulties themselves with being able to pay attention and to stay focused. So rather than being the profile of the typical student, in a sense, students who are more likely to use these medications that they don't have a prescription for are also more likely to be struggling in a number of different domains. Well, I understand you have a website where you have a free newsletter that folks can get. Could you give us the address for that? My website is just helpforadd.com, H-E-L-P-F-O-R-A-D-D.com. Dr. David Rabiner, research professor and associate dean at Duke University. Dr. Rabiner, thanks so much for joining us today on InfoTrack. Okay, thank you for having me. Next, when young people break the law, is the best idea to give them a prison sentence? A fascinating study has the answer. Coming up. Stick around. There's more InfoTrack straight ahead. 